0: Heaven above is a softer blue, earth around is a sweeter green. Something lives in every hue that Christless eyes have never seen. Birds with gladder songs o'erflow, flows with deeper beauty shine, since I know as now I know I am His and He is mine. Hmm. Some of them people. I was at a, a thing last night on creativity, Christ and creativity. And one of the questions that was offered the speaker was, uh, what do you do when you have two creative ideas at the same time? How do you relegate yourself to decide what to deal with? And there I sat thinking, I still await my first creative idea. <laughs> that is not a trouble for me. Um, But I thought, wow, that's kind of cool. It's nice to know that some people struggle with things that I don't have no concern over. (laughs) That's true. That was a true blessing for me. (laughs) You're worried about two creative ideas. Bummer. (laughs) You poor child. If you would, please turn with me to the book of Corinthians. Chapter 6. Guess what? Verse 12. Have we memorized this verse yet? I have decided that I should take nine sermons per every verse and we will memorize scripture. (laughs) Wait, think. Actually, this is only the first fourth message and I'm thinking I can get done with the fifth. One more message next week. It might be a nine hour message, but we will finish it up. Okay, let's read this. And ask the Lord to teach us. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. My Lord, my God, the power that you have given us in your written book, I beg now that we, your children, the holy ones, will bow before You. And Father, with great joyous expectation, let seek Your face with every breath You give us. Father, may Your radiance that was in Your incarnation be the very radiance of our Savior's bride, Father, may it be each of us. And yet, Father, with joy in our hearts, may we be willing to grasp one another an unfettered love to assist that they may glow in the glory of the risen King. Hmm. By your mercy, by your grace, in Christ, amen. Christ's freedom. An amazing concept. We are in uh, several countries today trying to show them freedom. And as I watch our country, I think our country wouldn't know freedom if it came up and introduced itself. But we have freedom in Christ. Jesus said, I have come uh, that you may be free. That's why we were here. We were slaves We were slaves to sin. John chapter eight, verse 34 says we are obedient to the father of lies. We sought him out. We chose to follow him. It's funny because if you say that today, you can get in a lot of trouble. Did you know that? If you take a lost person and say, do you understand that you are a follower of Satan? Um, (laughs) you will get a response. Um, But they are anyone who is lost this day who does not have an intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ is a follower of Satan, a follower of lies. They are in bondage. They are chained. They are bound tightly to sin. It has dominion over them. It has um, a force over them that they have absolutely no ability to break. None whatsoever. And their master is the father of lies, the great deceiver. It happened in Genesis when we, our father, who uh, would be Adam, ate of the fruit. And when he did that, he believed that he would be as God, would know as God. And in doing that, He gave His dominion, His rule, His authority over all of creation Adam had. And He took His crown off and gave it to Satan, the snake, and said, you rule me now. 2,000 years ago, God incarnate said, I will redeem that kingdom. Amazing stuff. In that, John 15.15 says that we have become sons. We have freedom of sonship. We are not slaves anymore. John 15.15 says that a slave does not know what a master wants. But you are friends. For you know what I want. But he also says just before that in verse 14 that you are my friends if you keep my commandments. Okay, which would imply something there. We probably ought to know what he wants to move out of the slave to Christ to the friend of Christ. Some of you in this room this day are slaves of Christ. Some of you in this room today are friends of Christ. I've had some people actually, (laughs) Uh, you got to love it. Uh, come to me after the, I taught on this text and said, uh, they looked me you know, in the eye. Some of you called me on the phone because you're not crazy um, because uh, I always make eye contact. It's just a thing I'm into. And would ask me, am I a slave of Christ or am I a friend of Christ? What do you see? you realize how stupid it is to ask me a question like that? I am bound to the Lord. I can't lie. But I rejoice that some of you are curious to ask. And and some of you, you who did didn't notice the first time ever that your pastor was nervous, huh? <laughs> he's like, oh boy, he's uneasy on this answer. Okay. Anyway. We move from the bondage of darkness. We move from the bondage of sin and Satan into the bondage of the Lord Jesus Christ. But in doing that, there's a transformation that can happen that I become a friend of the Lord Jesus Christ. I heard a song that was sung last night that just was still a, it kept me awake last night and it was and I don't know what it was called. I can't even tell you the lyrics. I don't wouldn't even know the tune this day, but it talked about John Reclining back with Jesus at the Last Supper, okay, and hearing his heartbeat. Hearing the heartbeat of our Redeemer. You grab that. I don't know about you, man, that freaks me out. Think about it. Listening to the pulse of he who created all the stars. Who created Mars where we're putting little radio control cars? (laughs) And I'm still trying to figure that one out. He created all of that, and to be able to lean on his chest and just hear his heartbeat. That's cool of me. Some of you guys are looking at me like, so what's up with that, dude? Um, That just freaks me out because that is sonship. I know my father. I know my Redeemer. Alright, and I know what he wants from me. And you know what? I love you guys, and there's times that I'll be honest with you, he shows me exactly what he wants, and my response is no different than yours or down the line. Get somebody else to do it. I don't want to do that. Okay? Ever, nobody here has anybody here ever wrestled with it? Huh? He lays it out real right there. <laughs> right there I want you to do this I'm not talking about anybody else you are in your own little quiet time you've had your prayer time here's my verse here's what I've shown you here's how I've revealed it to you go and your response is are you talking to me? (laughs) okay because see it's easy for me I'm a teacher Lord I shall take this great truth and share it as long as I don't have to do it Right. Sonship, but we also have the ability to choose. In Second Timothy chapter three verses twenty twenty one, in John fifteen, we understand that in this freedom, I can choose. I can make decisions. It's so cool. Why? I'm not in bondage. I am not being led by lies. I'm not being led by sin. I am definitely not being led by Satan. So I have decisions. Let's be realistic. Everybody in this room is makes decisions. That's your life is made of nothing but decisions, right? What will I wear? What's for breakfast? What's not for breakfast? What's for lunch? Who will I see this day? Who do I want to spend time with? Who do I want to do? You know, I'm going to get in the fast lane. Where am I going to eat? What am I going to eat? What car am I going to drive? What car do I want to buy? What am I going to do with this? What about this day? How can I plan this side? See, your day is nothing but decisions and decisions and decisions and choices and choices and choices and choices. And choices. Okay. okay? Let me tell you about God made a choice. He was the greatest warrior in the nation. Second to none. Absolutely none. He was the greatest combatant, the greatest soldier, the greatest warrior that the nation had ever seen. And God said, you, I will exalt to absolute rulership. Why? Because you have my heart. I shall make you over. But understand this. It started how? You were a warrior who trusted in God took over authority, he became king. And he made a decision one time. A battle, a war broke out. The greatest warrior that the nation had ever seen made a decision. A very obscure decision. It's not that big a deal. It wasn't that big a conflict and he had a trained army. But he made a decision. I will send my best generals out they can deal with this. I'm going to hang out at the palace. It's not that big a deal. I've trained them. These men would give their life for me. They, I've trained them. They fight as I fight. Plus, I'm the king. What if something happens to me? Who will train the next fighters? So he makes a decision. One decision. Very small decisions. It's not that big a deal. I'm going to send my best men out. We're going to kick some butt. We're going to take some names. We'll get this thing all resolved. And life will be good. So that's how he did it. So he's sitting there feeling pretty confident. And he walks out on his little balcony. Instead of being out fighting. Instead of being out leading. Instead of being out doing what God had gifted him to do. He's just hanging. All right. Wasn't nothing on ESPN. You know waiting for some reports from the battle. This thing's not going to take any time. He looked down and he saw an ankle. That's what it said. saw an ankle. If it had been where he was gifted to be, if he was doing what God had said for him to do, he would not have seen that. That decision destroyed the nation. looked up from the ankle and saw Bathsheba I am king I want that adultery a child murder destruction and his family paid the price to the complete dividing of the kingdom of Israel, to its captivity by the Assyrians and the captivity by the Babylonians. All because not that biggest decision, but He chose. In 2 Timothy 3, verse 20-21, it says, In the house of God, that's the context, it says in the house there are many vessels. There are those of honor, there are those of dishonor, there are those of gold and silver, there are those of wood and clay. All right? He says if you strive for that and become holy, sanctified, you will be a vessel of honor for perfect use in the hands of God. And I shared with you, what does it mean to be sanctified so I can be a vessel of honor, perfect use in the hands of God? Piece of cake. John 15 again. What? Sanctify them with Truth, and your word is truth, all right? Those of you who spend an hour or two hours a week in Scripture are vessels that are not yet able to be used. And I don't say that to condemn. Yeah, I do. (laughs) Sorry. If you're not being used by the Lord, guess what? That's your fault, all right? Um, the heart and passion of this fellowship, as long as I have been the pastor here, is the Word. And then it's the Word, and then it is the Word. If you come here on Sunday night, you will get the... On Monday night, you will get the Tuesday nights, You get the Wednesday night. You get the... It's just sort of mundane and over and over. Why? Because um, I want to see you all vessels of honor used in the hands of an awesome God. And the gimmicks don't work. The word has never failed. Okay? With that is the self um, we can choose so we are sanctified in truth so that I may choose correctly. If I'm sanctified in truth, I don't fall into little problems that King David did. I have a bigger picture on the goal. The goal is the gospel. The goal are the things of Christ. The goal is the body of Christ. My biggest concern, my biggest passion in my soul right now is the church. I have a uh, a heart for the church. Uh, I have a passion for the church. I I will die for the church. Sorry. Uh, And people say, well, how do you balance? I learned a new word. I don't balance. Okay, because, uh, and here's the illustration, and I've thought about this. When we balance our lives, right? We are men. I'm a man. You're not. Some of you ain't. It's amazing that I talk for a living, isn't it? (laughs) He doesn't say nothing. He just rambles and says all kinds of stupid things. You guys never heard my message on uh, my confusion over immorality and immortality. (laughs) We strive for immorality. I mean mortality. Anyway, um, my passion for the church. People say, well, how do you as a father, I have to minister to my wife, a husband, I have kids, and uh, how do you minister to them? Then how do you minister to what you do in the Word? Okay, then how do you add preaching? How do you add the outside things? And how do you balance them all? Okay, and I heard this described, and I thought it was really cool because I never thought of it. When you balance something, if you think about balance, you have a set of scales, right? If I've got a scales, and they're sitting like this, I need to take from this one and put it here, Right? And it comes to balance. Or you just keep taking, right? Now, let me ask you a question. As a Christian, what is the single most important thing in your life? Oh, maybe you shouldn't answer that one. I'll tell you what the Bible says. Seek the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Period. How do I balance that with, say, ministering to my wife? Because if I balance it, what am I going to do? I'm going to take away from and put it here. How you do that? Well, some of you are doing that. In, in light of Scripture, that is only sin. Here's the other thing that you have to be aware of. In the beginning was the... And the Word was with God. The Word was God. The Word became incarnate. The Word became... Flesh And it dwelt among us at his birth. We said, you shall call him Emmanuel. And it means what? God with us. God with us. Where's God today? Right now. Where at? How does God manifest himself right now? Holy Spirit. I ain't seen no spirit. If somebody said ghost, we're in trouble. I won't talk to you later. How does God manifest himself right now? It's in your text. what does it say it says your body is what the temple of the living God you know what it says you guys are saying what is he getting at well where is God manifest today where is he collectively manifested that his all of his glory all of his attributes his character his power and his ability are all seen the church. Now let me ask you a question. How do you separate the church from Jesus Christ and the Bible? Now you got to because we have to have balance. How you do that? Here's the word. It's the flow. Why? The flow of my life is where? Christ. In the flow of my life, I have the ability to meet the needs of my wife, my kids, and every single one of you but I can never do it if I'm trying to balance. Because what happens? You take away one, you're going to sacrifice the other. Let me tell you something. If you take away the Lord Jesus Christ, we'll all know. (laughs) Because you're the one going, All right, why? Because you're trying to do it. I can't do it. I get tickled. People say, well, what's your schedule? 24-hour days, 7 days a week, 365 days until I give a report. But I, I did stumble into one last bad thing that I was always learned not to. Never take a job on salary. <laughs> I, I just kind of stumbled into that and I concluded I make about a negative $42 an hour right now. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know how that works. But it, do you see what I'm saying? How do I choose? What is first? Christ. What is second? Uh-uh. The Word, the church. Or... The church, the word, Christ. Or the word, Christ, the church. Or the church, Christ, the word. Okay? Now listen, if you're sitting there saying, but I work and I do this. You know what? If you have that problem right now, I will ask you to see me after the worship service so that I can pray specifically for you, that you will understand what God has shown me. It's that simple. Because if God doesn't show it to you, I can explain this until I'm blue and you'll all sit there and go, well, it just doesn't work. All right? So in that, we come into what I have is the freedom of self-discipline. Fruit of the Spirit, I concluded with last week, is what? What is the one thing that we love, peace, joy, gentleness? We love those, don't we? Okay? Especially if somebody's not being gentle, you can say, you're not being in the Spirit. Okay? Okay? Or, or you know you're not being loving or something like that. But what is the one that manifests itself that we struggle with that we need to pay attention to? That it's not human nature. Fruits, the fruit of the flesh is evident. And then he gets fruit of the spirit. What's the next one? Self discipline. Self discipline. Uh, you who have been in the military, what do they get to teach you in that first six weeks? Nobody been in the military? I was a military kid. I knew what that was. Okay, I watched my dad. Who? He had that down to an art. Discipline wasn't necessarily self, but he knew discipline. Okay, self-discipline, self-control. Think about it. Why do we have laws? We need someone every once in a while to sort of step in and help us don't we? Alright, if I'm looking that all things are lawful to me but not all things are profitable to me, what am I saying? There better be some self-control. If I am free in Christ, if I am a son, walking as a son, a friend of Christ, and I understand that I have a freedom to choose, then I will be, as Paul wrote the church in Ephesus, I will be spirit-filled. If I'm spirit-filled, one of the manifestations of a spirit-filled life is what? Self-control. End of sermon. Actually, turn with me to Romans chapter 12. Romans 12, verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world. Um, In the Greek, it's present imperative. I'm not going to try to say it. I'll just spell it to you: s u s c h e m a t i z o. Okay. It literally has to be an outward conforming. The word sun, uh, which is, is a compound, S-U-S, okay, is, uh, is, is to conjoin with, together with. The second part of that word, S-C-H, E-M-A-T-I-Z-O, conform to the schema of things or take the shape of an outward appearance of things. So I have been conjoined into taking the outward appearance of something. That's what it says there. Do not be conformed. Do not take of the scheme. Do not be conjoined to the scheme and take the shape of what? Ooh. And he started it by the mercies of God. Paul wants believers not to outwardly appear as doing what the world is doing. Okay. But what? Be transformed. Now that ain't the same word. I would have... It would have been nice if it had been the same word. But it's not. It's the word that you get metamorphosis from. Okay, change the substance of it. All right, he's saying, I don't want you as Christians to look like the world. I need you to change your substance. Substance. You you remember when Nicodemus came to Jesus? What must I do? All right, and what did he say? Changes the substance of it. Okay, did you know? Uh, you know, God spoke, and poof, there was Adam. Do you know God spoke, and there was Stacy, poof. brand spanking new in the image of Jesus Christ. I don't know when it happened. I don't know her testimony. I don't know what day it was. But God said it only happened in eternity past. So Stacy, as the rest of us, we we're a little slow catching on to the overall plan. I was saved what? Now, if I didn't call your name on being born again, I'm not picking you out saying that Stacy is the only saved one in the church. It was an illustration. Okay? He didn't pick me. He don't think I'm saved. I'm not going to call and ask if I'm a friend or a slave. I don't. Okay. But in that transformation, in that born again, what happened? Substance changed. Substance changed. Okay, how do I know? Um, I was saved late in eternity past. <laughs> I was a late part of eternity. Uh, I was saved later in life. I, I missed I, eight. I heard that six to eight is the prime spot. And then I heard 12 to 14 is the prime spot. And, and, and then I heard that 18 and 19 is the prime spot. I missed all those. (laughs) Uh, just say, hey, eternity past. Um, No, I didn't even know that. But there comes a point when, how do I know this? How do I know that the substance that I am in doesn't conform anymore? Well, he says it right there. Renew your mind. Renew your mind. It literally means by the renewing of your mind in the Greek, it's a little phrase thing. It's only like two words, but they're real long words. I don't want to get into them because I look at those and you're supposed to try to sound them out. Uh, That's why Greek is a dead language. It means to think high. Okay? Renew your mind. Think up. Think up. Um, Think soberly. Okay? Uh, spirit zodiades called this the saved mind. See, the saved mind has the ability to look up. The saved mind has the ability to think soberly. The saved mind doesn't need man's laws. Exercise the faculty of sober, saved mind. Okay? That saved mind will look at this and says, I am not to be conformed to this world. Why? Why? Because I am a new substance. I'm not supposed to look like this world. I'm not supposed to carry myself as this world. Why? That's that holy. Isn't, remember holy? I'm set apart. From what? The world. Alright, well, but how does that... I don't understand what I mean. Well, but my mind as a Christian should be saying, if I'm not supposed to be of the world, then what am I supposed to be like? Christ. All right, now then, where do you suppose you would go to figure out what it means to be as Christ? Yes! You're right. It's the word. Not only that, if you're really of sober mind, you're going to understand, and we've already looked at this, because there was that, I am of Paul. I am of Apollos. Excuse me. I'm of the line of Cephas. Pagans, I am of Christ. OK Paul says, "Do you not understand that all these teachers are for you? Which ones would that be? All of them. Okay, where would I run and stumble into a whole bunch of God's teachers? What do you think? The church church. Therefore, my mind would be renewed. Why? He would start showing me things that I missed. But I want you to to see some more of this because I'm going to exercise this saved mind and I I understand my saved mind because my saved mind acknowledges that I am limited in my freedom. Okay, I have uh, in self-discipline, there's things that I can get away with. Okay? There's other things that are not good for me to get away with. Okay, let me give you, for instance, and you've heard this illustration, but I'll give it back to you before. Um, um, I like to hug people. I, sorry, I just this is just times that I just get <clears throat> want to hug somebody. But what I found is is that there's some people who get offended when I hug people. Okay, but what's weird about it is if I hug somebody that's ugly, they don't care. If I hug somebody that's cute. I get in trouble for it. Now, let me ask you a question. Who's got the problem? The ugly people. <laughs> so, everybody, so now I understand if I hug you today, you're ugly. <laughs> We're all feeling good now, huh? Why do they do that? I have a friend of mine, and, and God has entrusted me with some time with this man. He's phenomenal. I love him to death. Uh, but uh, he's in the information gathering thing, and, and that's really cool. I, I like gathering information. That's what I do all week long is gather information. But there's times that he ain't figured out what to do with gathering information. Anyway, and he, he approached me one time about this hugging thing in and, and a, a little situation, and he said, uh, you're married. Do you think it's appropriate for you to hug this person? And that part of me that makes me Terry... <laughs> Looked at him and said, I'm still trying to figure out how to pull off the holy kiss. Don't bother me. (laughs) And at first he was offended by it. But then he realized, that's Terry. And and anyway, but I share that with you because there are times if I cause somebody heartache, and I mean, if this offends them, um, uh, I'm not going to hug anybody. Why? Why? I don't want to offend you. Okay, why? It means that I have limits. I have a sober mind. I can discipline myself. Uh, If you come into my office one day and you find me standing like this, (laughs) you'll know it's been a hard week. (laughs) Uh, Some people have not allowed me to hug and I'm over-squeezing my head or something. All right, but I, I share that with you because even the Greek culture <coughs> understood that there was um, uh, limits to freedom, okay? Uh, but let me show you back to our text in uh, Romans. It says, verse 3, <coughs> For through the grace that is given to me, this is why sometimes I won't hug you, <coughs> unless you're ugly, um, is that for the grace that has been given to me? I say to everyone among you not to think more highly of himself. My longing to have physical contact with people, to hug people, to touch people, to be a part of the, the passion, the heartache of their soul, to be one with the brothers and sisters in Christ, to be so unified with them that when they hurt, I hurt. When, when, when that, that soul is in travail, I am in travail. But when that soul is rejoicing, look out. <laughs> I like rejoicing. Okay, and I like to feed on rejoicing. But anyway, I have that. Okay, and part of that is, is physical relationship, but part of that is, is the relationship that I have in the power of the Holy Spirit. So I can go on uh, uh, hug withdrawals if I have to. and um, And I understand that. Why? Because the grace that has been given to me I will not think more highly of myself than I ought to. Okay. But then he says this, but to think so is to have, it says the new American standard is sound judgment, but it literally means a sober mind. Have a sober mind. I have a mind that is taking in the information and in the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, in the power of the Word, through the body of Christ, the gifted peoples and the exhortation of the saints. My mind is in a position that I can control it. And I am disciplined. And there's times that I don't hug. Okay? Thursdays. Okay? the Greek culture had a word for it. Sophoremon. Sophoremon. Okay? And it's limits to one's freedom. Sophoremon. Okay? If the Greeks understood that there was this holding back, how much should believers... Okay? We are to place limitations on our freedom. Self-control on our freedom. Um, uh, I I look at it from this perspective. I would not exercise my freedom in a way that may lead to the destruction of a believer or any human being, even myself. What was David's choice? Could you look at, you know, keeping the king out of battle? Understand all of the implications there, and understand it, and say that was a good decision. But if you look at it and you understand that David was told by God, "You shall be the king of Israel," whose hand of protection was on the king. So, there may be somebody to use my illustration of us say hugging. Um, there may be some people that I don't get to hug. I may not get to hug them as much, but um, watch out for me when we get to glory. (laughs) I'm going to make up for lost time, and I have eternity to do it, okay? Uh, So, But am I willing to make a sacrifice, a personal decision to the negative side um, for myself? Why? Understand the context of our our text in in, uh, Corinthians. Personal interests above the interests of the... Gospel, personal interest above the interest of the church, of the ways of Christ. They're suing each other is what we're coming out of. Not only that, you'll see that they were struggling with foods. Not only that, you'll see they're struggling with a lot of stuff. See, we have times that we believe and assume that our actions are private matters. Someone told me a, a few weeks ago about a very well-known author, a Christian author whos if I mentioned his name, you'd all know it, uh, and he has had some things going on, and he's bringing litigation. And then all of a sudden, after this person told me that I' received about a dozen emails on this person, and, there, and he's bringing litigations to numerous different, different places. And I think, how horrible the testimony that you are giving, Because if I mentioned his name right now, everybody would know who he is. And he's suing some people. And the matter is money. Okay, let me tell you something. There are absolutely no private circumstances in the body of Christ. When you hurt, I hurt. When you stumble, it hurts the whole body. When you are out of God's will, you hurt the whole body. When you are not exercising your gift, you're hurting the whole body. When you're not part of what God is doing, you're hurting the whole body. When we make our decisions and in self-control, ask yourself these questions. This is what I ask. How will this affect the cause of Christ? When I get ready to make this decision, when I do this thing, how will this affect the cause of Christ? How would this influence the testimony of the church? And I think what has happened in our day and age today that we have completely missed what a privilege it is to be a part of the church. If you look in 1 Corinthians 10, he says that all things are permissible, but not all things are expedient. I think King James translates it, but it really means to edify. Not all things edify. Listen, if I've got a person who has a trouble, and let me use that illustration again, that I'm hugging too much, I'm going to back away from that as if it was Satan himself. Why? I'm not edifying that person. People ask me what the... What, you know, this is the big buzz. And what is your philosophy of ministry? Uh, it's easy. Present every man complete in Christ. I mean, it's not easy to do, but my philosophy is, is easy. It's present every man complete in Christ. Okay? If you're struggling with the fact that I hug somebody that may not meet the ugly side... Um, I'm going to back away from that because it's hurting your edification. If my heart and my passion is preserved by completing Christ, then I need you to figure that one out and I will back away from it. But it doesn't mean I won't pray for your repentance. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're not letting me hug and I'm not being edified. No, just kidding. All right, but, that's, but you see what happened. I'm not going to exercise my, uh, my freedom to the detriment of someone else. Let me ask you a question. When I think about edifying, do I look at edifying myself? When you make decisions, do you look at things to edify yourself? And if anybody says no, you're a liar. Okay? Your whole system is for your edification. Think about it. The clothes you wear. Okay? Unless you're me. My wife dresses me. But... uh, well, she does, because every time I dress it, she says, "You ain't gonna edify nobody with that." Uh, let me help you. Uh, well, it's true. Uh, that's not my gift um, or talent. But uh, when I'm, I'm looking at decisions I make, I always know that there's some part of me to be edified in. I went to a thing I, I, last yesterday. Well, yeah, yesterday. There was all-day conference on Christ and creativity. Why would I be there? Okay? I mean, don't get me wrong. I loved it. And it was great. Right? But I took some people that I believed would be strengthened by it, uh, that would just have a good time. Now, there was this part in there where this guy that I truly admire as a musician was going to do a concert, and that was for my edification. Okay? But I also went with some other people all right, But I also look at it, will this edify the cause of Christ? Will this strengthen the cause of Christ? This will strengthen me. Will it strengthen others? Will it strengthen the cause of Christ? And how about strengthening the testimony of the church? I like that. Not like flies against everything that is taught to me. They're telling me that I have to have quiet time. You need to isolate yourself. You need to have your little family time when you and your family runs over here and they do this and you're away from everybody else. Uh, and yet all of that flies in the face of that text. Okay? There's times I have to have my quiet time. I mean, I have to, I have to go away and, and uh, usually it's, <laughs> I'm wrestling with Jesus. Um, and it's when I come down to fight like a man mentality sets in. And then uh, and my quiet time, usually I'm planning like three days. And God says, you're only going to take about an hour of this. And so he wins. Okay. Would we ever want to use the freedom that Christ has given us to hurt him or his church? Did you know that your very presence helps me? Did you know that? It does. Just seeing you. You know what? Even when it's a mess and you are you just ain't going to believe this, Pastor, I need to talk to you because da-da-da. And and I make these statements. You know, everybody's complaining and da-da-da, just surrender. I'm not a people person. So everybody says, well, I don't want to be one of these people that just complains all the time. I don't mind them. Doesn't bother me at all. Actually, it feeds me. It strengthens me. It edifies me. Why? Because I get to come alongside you, and in the power of the Holy Spirit, we're one. I don't care if you're a man, I don't care if you're a child, I don't care if you're a woman. It doesn't matter. We're still one in the Spirit of the living God. No, we're not married, um, but we're one. And I have the ability with Christ in me and a sober mind to allow the love that Jesus Christ has poured into me to pour into all that would get involved. But what I learned is, is I can't run around and chase everybody. That doesn't edify me. It doesn't edify you. And it definitely doesn't edify His church. Shall we use, this is what Charles Spurgeon said. Gotta love this guy. I'm gonna hug him when I see him in heaven. Uh, Shall we use the wealth and health that the Lord has given us to accomplish the most for him? I like that. Shall we use the wealth and the health that God has given us to accomplish the most for him? or use them, wealth and health, for ourselves and give him the leftovers. And then he quotes Luke 16.21, which is... Lazarus at the table and the crumbs of the king falling off and the dogs were getting to it before Lazarus could. And Lazarus went to Abraham's bosom and could rest next to the heart of God. Let me give you another one. Go to 1 Corinthians 9. 1 Corinthians 9. We'll start with verse 1 Paul am I not free what are we talking about freedom in Christ am I not an apostle And it's got hupa, hooper on the front of it hooper apostolon you know what that means that means you transliterate super apostle that's what it means let me ask you something was Paul super apostle oh yeah <laughs> he had super down. Had a big S. Super apostle. Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are you not my work in the Lord? What's he getting at? What is my authority in the body of Christ, specifically you guys? That's what Paul's saying. Am I free? Absolutely. Am I an apostle? You bet you, I am a super messenger from God to you. and it was so super was the message that I have seen the Lord Jesus Christ, and you are my work. Okay? If the others, if to the others, I am not an apostle, at least I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship. In the Lord. Verse 4. Do we not have the right to eat and drink? Do we not have the right? I want you to stop right there because the word right there, you know what that means? Privilege, authority, excusa, E-X-O-S-I-A. Sound familiar? Should. Get to last week's tape. Okay. It is the verb tense, present imperative, Of E-X-E-S-T-I-O-N Permission to I have the right I have the ability I have the authority to and he's basically asking rhetorical questions to that text and he says is it permissible for me? I have the authority I have the ability you are living proof I have seen the Lord Jesus Christ me and him are one so what do you think? Why? Paul understood the Greek philosophy of controlling it sound mind, saved mind Sober mind, S-O-P-H-O-R-O-S-U-R-E in the Greek. Why? The restraint that is needed in freedom. Why? He was guided by his faith, he says, by the grace that has been given to me. Go back to your text there in Romans 12, and he says, look at what he says. I have, but to think so, I have sound judgment. God has allotted to what? Each a what? a measure of faith pistos okay a measure of faith faith is in light of the evidence i have been persuaded that i have been so persuaded that now i have committed and surrendered myself to this evidence in such a way my life has changed and it is evident to all that's faith okay faith isn't unbelief Faith is the evidence I have received has convinced me to surrender wholly and I now have a life that bears witness to that belief. And he says to each one there is a measure of this. That is why I say you grow in your faith. Why? At your um, spontaneous conversion, huh? Huh? That's what happens when I go to a creative class. (laughs) I come up with spontaneous conversion. Okay? How much information on the Lord Jesus Christ did you have? Did you? Did your mind have all information? But what happens... You plug into a body of believers and that place is doing what? Equipping the saints for the work of ministry. You fall in love with the saints. You fall in love with the Word. You fall in love with the Lord. And it just is this great big circular thing and you're just going on and on and on and on. And on. And what happens? Pressures and trials try to conform you into the world. They push on you. They smack you. They attack you. It's unrelenting. It never stops. It never stops. You stumble. You fall. You sin. You turn your back on God. You say, Lord, why have you forsaken me? And he keeps saying, I haven't. I haven't. I haven't. I haven't. I haven't. And what happens? Your faith gets stronger and stronger and stronger because he's giving you information. As you gather the information, he says, here's the test. How you doing? And you stand under it. Sometimes you fall. He lets you take the test again and you go again and your faith gets stronger and stronger and stronger. So at a different point, I can look in this room right now and every person in this room has a different measure of faith. You know what? You can have a lot of information and still have a lower measure of faith. Why? It's not tested. Test it. Be brave. God, test my belief. Oh. That's as crazy as saying, Come on down here and fight like a man. Jesus, <laughs> no problem. I'm about to test your belief. Okay? to that measure of faith? Is it permissible? Absolutely. Let me give you another thing. I'll just go to it. You guys hang in there. Uh, it's out of Titus. Yep, Hebrews Titus. All right, Titus chapter 3. No, chapter 2. <clears throat> Excuse me, verse 11. You don't have to go there. For the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation to all men. Hallelujah. Okay? If you're saved, man, I don't just make you just jump. I did. You just... You know, white man can't jump. But uh, <laughs> bringing salvation to all men. Ex- now listen, the grace of God has appeared. Drop the next parenthetical statement out of that. and He says, um, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly. You know what the word live sensibly is? Sober mind, self-controlled, self-disciplined. The grace of God has instructed us to deny ungodliness, worldly desires, and to discipline our minds. How did that happen? How did it come possible that a person over here was a slave to sin who now has been a slave to Christ? How did their mind all of a sudden get self-control? We sing it. It's just amazing grace. Okay, but see, you can't know that if you have not been sanctified by the truth. Okay? You are set apart by God Christ immediately at your salvation. You should have a hole in your heart that makes you just want to absorb the Word of God. I mean it should be overwhelming. And I mean you'll read things and just back away from it and go, oh, I don't have any idea what that is. I do that every day. I don't know what that means. I don't, know, I don't have a clue. Everybody says, well, how do you study? I pray. Well, then what? I just pray. <laughs> if you see me study, you'd say, we should pray for him. Because <laughs> he do not know what he's doing. I, I don't. I don't have any clue. Why? It's the grace of God. Why? So that I can live soberly. I can deny worldly lust. How? I have a sober life, a guarded life. Let me show you a couple of things here real quick. I want to wrap, I'll to i wrap this up for you. <laughs> Maybe. Go to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 22. Matthew's Gospel because this is the one. Uh, precious, precious Stephanie was handing out the, the tax things to me. And we all come to that time when we think, yay, raw, team. Right? Well, maybe you guys do take great joy. Alright, let me show you something. What happens we as Christians I make a living I make money and I send taxes that goes to something that I disagree with even in the light of Scripture. What do you do with it? It's easy. Chapter 22, verse 17. Is it lawful to give the poll tax to Caesar or not? The poll tax was your head. I am here, I am under Roman rule, and just because I'm here under Roman rule, I have to give money to Caesar. I'm not a Roman citizen. You know what? Hebrews eleven thirteen 13 says, I'm a stranger in this world. Right? This ain't my. I'm not a market. We all get more spiritual at tax time, don't we? <laughs> well, some do. Is it lawful? Jesus Jesus perceived their malice <laughs> why are you testing me you hypocrites show me the coin that is used for the poll tax they brought him a denarius he said to them whose likeness and inscription is on this but the Romans were not monotheistic they didn't serve the true living God they could care less about the true and living God okay let me give you another one in case you're feeling a little more spiritual than that. All right, Go to John or Matthew's Gospel, chapter 17. This is the good one. I mean, this is the good one. Because it's easy. Well, who's on a dollar bill? Doesn't matter, because when I pay taxes, a dollar doesn't cut it. <laughs> so <laughs> I, <laughs> I need to move up a few denarii. <laughs> who's on that? I don't know that guy either. <laughs> and I mean, they got holograms and, and magnetic strips and all the rest of it. But do you see what he's saying? Whose is it? Do you understand that money is but a tool for you? Do you understand the eternal value of money? What is the eternal value of money right now? Oh, okay. What's the eternal value of gold? There is two pavement. In heaven, the streets of Jerusalem are paved with gold. So, you know, if you're wanting to hold on to gold, I know what you're doing in glory. Okay? Do do you understand that? It's not, what's the big deal? But look at how much energy we put into grasping, attaining, multiplying, and holding on to Let's go, let's get spiritual here. Matthew 17, verse 24, came to Capernaum. Everybody know where Capernaum is, up north side of the Sea of Galilee? Those who collected two drachma tax to Peter and said, Does your teacher not pay the two drachma tax? Do you know what that is? Jesus was a rabbi. Okay, he wore the robe of a rabbi, okay, which made him a teacher where? In synagogues. Synagogues. Synagogue is a Hebrew word that you would use as church. A gathering of called out ones in the Hebrew is synagogue. A gathering of called out ones in the New Testament is church. So for him to be a teacher, to walk into a given synagogue to teach, he must pay a to drop my tax for the privilege to teach. Don't you find that ironic? God of the Word paying a tax to teach His Word in His place. All right, let's look at this. This is so cool, okay? Does your teacher not pay it? He said, uh, yeah. uh, You know, anytime a religious zealot gets in Peter's face, what does Peter say? Yeah, right, I agree. (laughs) Okay, you know, this is the guy who walked on water. Anyway, all right, yes. And when he came into the house, Jesus spoke to him first saying, what do you think, Simon? See, he was outside. Peter ran into some religious fanatics and they said, does your teacher pay the tax to have the privilege to teach in the synagogues? And what was Peter's response? Oh, yeah. Uh Mm yeah. Okay. And so Peter just ignored it and went away. Why? I just don't like confrontation. Right? So it's, you know, it's no big deal. All right. Jesus runs into Peter. They're at the house and he runs in. He says, what do you think, Simon? From whom do the kings of the earth collect the customs and poll tax? From their sons or from strangers? Say so, hello, Jesus. Jesus has the big picture. Okay? Peter's sneaking around thinking, has no problem. Well, I hate them Pharisees. Okay? Jesus comes up and asks him a question. Peter, from strangers. Everybody knows that, Jesus. Come on. It's not in the Bible, it's an added effect. Okay? And Jesus said to him, Then the sons are exempt. However, so that we do not... What does it say? We should not offend. Do you know what that term is in the Greek? Grab this. He's asked Jesus, should he pay? They asked Peter, should Jesus pay to preach in his father's house? Okay, Jesus asked Peter, should I pay to preach in my father's house? Peter says, no, he says, we should as to what? You know what the Greek word is? Scandal on that we do not cause a scandal. Pay the tax. Now grab that. This is the creator of all that exists, this is the one who holds existence into being. And he says, Don't cause a scandal. In Matthew twenty-eight eighteen, he says, how much authority has been given to him on heaven and earth? So, does he have a right not to pay the taxes to teach in his father's house? Okay, I would say in the divine court, yeah. Okay, he did not exercise his right. Why? He'd already proclaimed the sacredness of the law, had he not? Would he be a lawbreaker? No. But, he did not look to his own edification. He looked at the unbelieving world and did not want to offend them. That's self-discipline. That's self-discipline. Christ limited his freedom for the interest of the gospel he had come to seek and to save that which was lost even when permissible he would do not uh, do nothing to uh, that might make it more difficult to win the lost nothing even i mean he, yeah you read the rest of that thing and he told peter to go down and catch a fish and it had money in its mouth i've tried that <laughs> okay i struggle catching fish let alone fish with money in their mouth <laughs> so i've you know i've got a whole bunch of fish out there that have these gold things that used to be my lures. So if you find any of those, please give them back. Not anyway. Okay? Choosing that which is permissible, there's a caution that must be considered. Do I consider what effects my choices will have on us? Um, when we're testing something that is good... One of the problems I think that we have um, will it be habit for me? Think about it. There are things out there right now that are not a sin to God. I mean, the fullness of the earth is given to us. Okay, and there's things out there that are not bad. Is it bad to, to go borrow money to buy a house? No. Hmm. It isn't. But you know what? We even sell some medications that the medication in and of itself is good. It has a desired effect, it is wonderful. But some of them down there on the bottom, you ever read on the side of the bottles? Don't drive, Um, a few other things. Some of them even say, maybe habit forming. Choosing that that is permissible, we need to understand will it be habit forming? Think about it. Think about the things that you do on a day every day that sometimes can turn out habit forming. Because I want to back you back to your text. Okay, quickly. We'll wrap this. No, we're making good time. Yeah, maybe not. Remember, the Korean church doesn't meet anymore. Count your blessings. Why? All things are lawful for me. All things are not <clears throat> are not all things are profitable. Some things are not worth the profit. I will not be strengthened from it, nor will someone else be strengthened from it, nor will it help the cause of the gospel, nor will it help the cause of Christ, nor the testimony of the church. Is it worth it? No, I ain't gonna do it. Why? It's silly. It's a waste of time, energy, effort, and resources. but he makes this statement down there in the second part of that verse. I will not be, okay? One word in the Greek. I will not be is one word in the Greek. O-U-K. That's it. I will absolutely, emphatically, dogmatically, never, ever, ever be mastered by it. All in that little bitty word you got to love them Greeks sometimes. Every once in a while they get goofy, but that one there, I like that. It, and that word be mastered is E-X-O-U-S-I-A-T-H-E-S-A-M-O-I. Now didn't understand why I didn't try to say it. And it literally means to control or to exercise authority upon. It's a passive verb, and it means to be, I will never ever be absolutely mastered by anything that will have power over me to control me. Think about that. I see husbands and wives who do that. People are mastered by them. I see boys and girls or men and women who are dating who become mastered by that relationship. Is that relationship bad? To be involved with another person, that's not bad. But do they master me? Do they all of a sudden control me. Now, I want to show you something because everybody sitting here today says, well, that makes sense. I can understand that. Uh, you know, I, that's no big deal. Uh, you, know, I, I, I don't, you know, I'm not a drug addict and I'm not an adulterer and I'm not uh, da, 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 whatever you're, you think you're doing. You know, I'm not in bondage to cars and Planes and automobiles. No, that's a movie. Um, or houses are the things of this world. I want to take you someplace and I want to show you something that Jesus taught. Luke chapter 22. And I'm going to close with this one, okay? Because I want you to think about this because this is amazing what Jesus says here. Luke chapter 22, one verse. See, we're not going to be long. Verse 25. Okay, now they're, they're just, they're, they're, expressing their desires over preeminence in the kingdom, the disciples are, okay? Okay, so they're, they're wondering who's going to have the most authority, who's going to be in a position of power, who's going to do this in the kingdom of God? Which is, let's be realistic. What's wrong with that? What is there wrong with desiring to work hard for the kingdom of God? Nothing, all right? Jesus says this to them and he says to them, the kings of the Gentiles lorded over them. The word Lord is present indicative of Kyrios, Kyrimal. okay? And it means to have dominion. Kyrios is when you see the Lord Christos, Kyrios Christos, Lord Christ, Okay? So uh, that's where it comes from. It's present indicative, which gives it the action. Okay, and it says that the Gentiles exercise their authority, their lordship, okay, to rule and have dominion over. Okay, they exercise it. All right? In this exercise, it says um, to those, all right, lord it over them, and to those they have um, that word of authority, E X O U S I O Z O N T S, but that's present active participle, okay? And it's that word of excusio, all right? On those they have authority over them are called benefactors. Benefactors, okay? Here, the kings are presented to those. Um, who are becoming lords. I want to be a lord. I want to exercise authority over someone or rulers to have absolute authority over. And yet they demand the title of what? Benefactor. You know what a benefactor is? You ever seen a beneficiary on a a will or a life insurance policy? Same word. Someone who gives. Someone who gives. Uh, we see it today. Sometimes you'll hear it as the executor of an estate. Okay? Uh, um, yeah, we, we were talking about that, weren't we? Uh, if, if something were to happen to me and my my, my bride, who would take care of, of our stuff? Um, Josh is still underage. The other two, they're tough. Um, <laughs> I told everybody I was leaving this thing with a zero balance. If they're waiting on an inheritance, they're dreaming. Um, but they... Uh, uh, who would take have oversight? Who would be the benefactor and how would they delegate this stuff? Why? Because someone on, if you're a benefactor, then someone is going to what? Give unto you. Or, or, or the benefactor you will receive from a benefactor. Okay? You got that? I mean, I want you to understand this. Okay? The kings here are presented as benefactors. That is typical of anybody or anything that becomes the ruler of your life. Did you get that? Paul says, I'm not going to be mastered. Absolutely not by what? Even my freedom. I will not let my freedom... Master me. Why? Think about it. Who's your benefactor? Who knows your needs before you have need of it? Who knows your heart before you cry? Who knows your job situations before you do? Who knows when you're lonely? Who knows when you need to be touched? Who fulfills all those? Why would I allow anything else? Master me. Because now it will become a Lord to me. It will have authority to me. As our benefactor, that's how it begins. Seems good. We desire it. It seems good. Doesn't it? I mean, I think about dating people. No, I'm not dating people, but people who are dating. Okay? I've learned it. I've, I'm not specific. <laughs> people leave nasty notes on my desk. Um, it seems good, doesn't it? It seems right. We even... Desire it. Remember, ladies? God created us to desire men. (laughs) Right? And of course, you know what men do? Yeah! (laughs) I'm into it! (laughs) Right? Okay, but what happens? Little by little by little, it gains control. Think about it. Think about the process. What do you you start thinking about? I wonder what they're doing. I wonder where they're at. I wonder if they're thinking about me. Huh? And the whole time you got this. I hung on the cross for you. What about me? But But you're providing. What does your mind start thinking about? Do it with work. How about your jobs? Yes, do it unto Christ. Ooh, even your job. Do it unto Christ. Why? What do you think about when you're in your job? I hate my boss. I don't understand why he can be a boss. He's a moron. I can do his job better than I am. What's the matter with him? And Jesus is saying, I gave you the job. Shut up. But what happens? You walk away from your job and you've got this. I see it. I've been working like a dog. Right? Why? You don't understand my boss. You don't understand my coworkers. You don't understand this. And you know what Jesus is saying? I will give you wings of eagles and you can run and you can... to the measure of your faith. But I renew my mind. In my freedom, I can make my decisions out of self-discipline because I have been sanctified by the Word of God and Christ is my energy, my focus, my power, and my passion. How cool. What masters you? Anything or anybody that is big enough to give us what we want is also big enough to control us. You can do your own homework on this. Genesis chapter 47, 13 through 26. There was a great famine in the land. And they all showed up where? Egypt. And we have wonderful man of God doing what? Giving the foods to the people. We come to you, benefactor Joseph where there is a great famine in the land. And Joseph's heart was what? Let us meet the need that God has provided. It's cool, isn't it? Verses 20-25, they became Pharaoh's slaves. 400 years. And how did it start? Okay. I as a child of God am absolutely free in Christ. I have a freedom right now that I cannot express. I have a freedom that makes me a son to God. I'm a son. I am an heir to creation. I have freedom to make choices based on God that only... (laughs) It's so cool. His freedom... And the choices I make only add to my freedom. I mean, this is cool. My freedom just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And then Scrooge comes by and says, don't want you Hogan." And I said, so be it. Why? I have a self-discipline that I will not do anything to shame my king. And I'm not going to be mastered by anybody who believes they can be my benefactor or anything why what God gives edifies me it edifies others it brings glory to the gospel it brings glory to Christ and the bride of Christ is my heavy burden that I try to lift to present as a pure and safe holy virgin that all the world will say that is a holy bride suitable for the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I'm digging it. Let's pray. Father, I give You the praise for Your Word. Lord, I ask that You taught that we understand our freedom. Yet, Father, we understand our responsibilities. Father, we don't take them lightly. Father, we give You the praise, the glory, and the adoration. Father, beginning with me, may Your glory only be seen more. May Your freedom only be seen more. And may any of the praise or the exaltations go to You and You alone. Father, as You are faithful, I beg You to make me faithful. Father, search my heart. Father, that I do not sin against You, that I do not use my my freedom for harm. Father, I pray for these precious saints. Father, that You would do the same to them. Father, as we labor for our own holiness, we would look for those opportunities. We could come alongside, embrace a saint who is struggling, a saint who is... (laughs) Just embrace the saints. The love that You showed us would only pour through us mightier and mightier to the measure of faith, and may that measure grow as vast as the stars of heaven and all of your people. I love you. In Christ's name, amen.